Welcome to the Nate and Doran podcast. We are professional videographers based in Vancouver, Canada, and we're here to talk about relevant topics within the video and media industry. I'm Nate, and I run Nate Dixon Media. And I am Doran, the videographer, solo entrepreneur, offering video production services. And today we're uh, joined by our special guest, Drew Stapleton, film, music, composer, and field audio technician. Drew, thank you very much for making time to be on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, and it's a pleasure to finally meet you guys. <laughs> now, Drew's a, Drew's a bit of a jokester because we've worked together in the past, and uh, he's composed some music for even a trailer Dorn and I filmed, a little yeah. intro to a piece we worked, we all worked on together, and that was so much fun. I really like the way that turned out, Drew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You guys are craftsmen of your trade, and uh, it all came together. It looked pretty, uh, pretty darn good to me. You're talking about uh, the darkness before dawn, the intro, right? Everything. Well, because he also did the, the the big documentary thing too. That was pretty impressive. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, so lots of fun working with Drew, and so thankful to have you on here. And uh, you always had lots of uh, knowledge and uh, experience, uh, and guided us with um, some music composing and. Uh, dealing with audio for uh, different projects. So we thought, hey, let's invite him on and let's just ask him a bunch of questions because uh, like we said in our last uh, podcast, we, me and Nate got to work on our sound design. So I remember the first time we sat down for a meeting over audio levels, broadcasting standards, and I could see your eyes, eyes glaze over as I got into uh, LUFS and... All kinds of uh, yes. different standards for uh, sound. It was just technical. Just you guys didn't didn't want that at the time. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of what I was supposed to be doing. Why was I telling you about it, anyways? You know. Yeah. But and and we were that those projects we did together throughout the podcast to uh, to draw on uh, scenarios and stuff like that. And for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, the irony of the situation is that Workplace was actually broadcasting over satellite. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it was just one of those work scenarios where everyone's like, okay, learn what you can and let's make it work. Um, and then you came along and it's like, oh, this guy knows a lot of stuff. Yeah. Oh, come on. I'm just well, a big geek. Well, compared, to, compared to me. <laughs> Yeah, you read a lot. Is um, so? Are you like self-taught? Did you just read about audio, or did you go to school about it? Uh, it it all goes back to uh, guitar pedals when I was fifteen, and I got my first guitar. And uh, from that, I had guitar teachers and music teachers. And my first um, choice for university was Acadia University School of Music in Wolfville, Nova Scotia, which is a, a beautiful um, setting and amazing for anybody who wanted to, to do music. Uh, and after that, I decided not to. I, started, I, I went in a different direction. But uh, through that time, that's a lot of uh, sound knowledge. Uh, it turned into doing video, and video came back to music, and then it came full circle. Now it's video and music together, doing film music production and being a technician of that. So we are producing scores uh and the knowledge of mixing sounds together and uh that came from a lot of video experience started with volunteering i had a family member that was giving some talks and his video was crummy 
you know it was like uh the video the, the cameraman was just a volunteer friend of his and he shot with way too much the the the, the sensor was like this <laughs> maybe even like this there's like so much room above his head just it was terrible right <laughs> and so i'll give I'll, I'll do a better job for you i'll give it a chance and so i volunteered for a year and a half and then they started paying me and then all of a sudden i got a connection to do some video work uh, for a university for a college that turned into a lot of safety videos technical training promotions for that college uh, that's the Okanagan College in Kelowna. Uh, well, it's a few locations. It's it's in the inner. It's in the Okanagan Valley of um, British Columbia, Canada. So that was really good. Uh, I got that connection from from the people who I was volunteering with, and that just allowed me to price at a professional rate. Allowed me to move up in my production equipment. I was owning a cinema level I C100. Everyone listening here would know. Mm. I'm talking to the quiet one, right? Everyone knows the, the camera gear. So I, I got a C100, and uh, it had that green shift in the in the in the video when you went to custom color, like setting the Kelvins. Uh, it would do everything would turn green, so I had to use an automatic mode, and and just uh, it was it was a headache. But that dove me into drove me into more study and more learning about things. Um, I was using cranes, renting all this gear, lights, and man, I just worked and I would spend all night uh, in these rooms the college gave me to temporarily set up for a week and I would record for a week and then and then the teachers would come in one at a time and I would be recording with them and producing them and even using a bit of my education from university about, uh, I did a lot of writing and essays and stuff in, in, in university. So when I heard them come in and, and start to give their lectures, they weren't sure what they were going to say. And I told them, don't, don't be scripted, just do what you do. And uh, I, I was doing two things. I was breaking their psychological loops that they go into because what happens is when someone says something and they like the way they said it, but then they mess up another few sentences later, they'll on the second take try uh, the, on the subsequent take they'll try to remember how they said it and now mm. they've tried at another task in their mind which bogs down their ability to be themselves and tap into themselves and the charisma that they have they become boring they make more mistakes because they've got too much going on in their head so i'm just breaking that just breaking that cycle the second thing is helping them organize the things that they're saying ad lib off the cuff uh, if they are mixing together ideas where one thing should be said and established before they move on to the next thing, I would let them know, you've got a few paragraphs here. If you want me to put them on a sheet here with uh, each paragraph, a bullet point there, so you can just tick, 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 and then close. Knowing your closer is so important. When you come to the end, you don't just taper off and go, uh, well, that's it, I guess. Don't do that. <laughs> You, you have an ending point, a line that you want to get to. And once you've said that, pause for me. Cut. We got it. That's a wrap. Good job. And they were amazed because after the editing, because I'm watching intently, knowing what to edit, how to edit it, if I've got it, if I don't got it, then uh, I know because I'm really paying attention. They've got my full attention. 
And uh, then we say rap. They're very impressed with the final result because they say, you know, Drew will make me look like uh, I've done this a million times because they're trying to encourage another instructor to come in and, and do the same thing. But they don't want to because their colleague just did an amazing job, knocked it out of the park. Oh. How can they compete? And every day they can't walk into work with this champion over here making them look bad. And so I said, no, uh, no, they say, don't worry about it. Have you guys had that experience where after the edits, everyone's quite uh, impressed with how they were able to come off more professional? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And people... Power of editing, right? Totally. And when people are being recorded, when they have to stare at the camera and re recite their lines, they get, they clam up, they get so nervous. Mm -hmm. They have to like remember to smile. And yeah, they'll they'll dart their eyes away as soon as they're mm -hmm. done their line. So yeah, you, you really got to coach them. Yeah, like you say, wait for a beat at the end, keep looking so that it's a clean cut. So that's good that you. Or they learned. go like this. Thank you very much. You know yeah, what I mean? Right? Oh Just yeah. Right yeah. You. They look exactly. at you past the lens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like but, you were uh, mostly a one-man show. That's that's where my my training came from. Is on the job. Um, volunteering first because if no one's paying for it, then no, I, I kind of knew a bit. I, I didn't mess up my first ones. Uh, everything turned out quite good. It just got better and better and better um, with practice. And then when I came back to music, I took the knowledge I had about music and uh, did my music thing. Um, I read I read books though um, with the internet resources we have and and the people who have published books and stuff. Uh, say for audio, for example, if you want to learn about mastering audio, you want to learn about sample rates and uh, how to compress, how to uh, mix different uh, tracks for an album and make them sound at the same levels and things like that. You have to understand how to mix a record with individual tracks. Uh, compression, equalization, phase cancellation, all these technical things. There's uh, this guy in the southern uh, United States called Bob Katz, B-O-B. K-A-T-Z. Bobcats is um, a mastering audio uh, technician, but he's a real student of audio. And he came up with a way to measure loudness um, by, by an algorithm that puts together a few different variables about sound, frequency spectrums, and then VU, uh, all that kind of stuff, to come up with the LKFS, uh, that loudness and then cats is that K. So Bob Katz is, is part of that. And he wrote a book, um, mastering audio or something. It's kind of like a textbook. And I read that three times. So that I just couldn't put it down. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a big help too. stuff like that. And then YouTube, obviously, uh, Dave Pensado is, will teach you about, uh, mixing audio. You know what, actually that was, that's old school. There's many more now. Uh, mm -hmm. there's no end to the education available. <laughs> all right um wow really cool and i think the 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 biggest factor is the fact that you're like super passionate about it it really clicks with you you know um you could say it's you're in tune with the audio subject <laughs> there's Love an it. audio pun for you <laughs> which ah, is why i didn't even get that i didn't even get that <laughs> You know what, if, if someone's looking for some some guys who are going to totally liven up the work environment, 
having this combination here, Doran and Nate on on your uh, on your team, uh, so good, so good. I never I never had one day with you guys where I wasn't just totally thrilled to be there. Awesome, yeah, yeah, that was really fun. Good times. Um, I do have one question for you right now. I see something behind you there. Is that a? It's a type of audio hardware. Is that a? Uh, what do you call that? A. I have a little bit of a field kit here. Mm -hmm. uh, I assume you'll talk about some of that kind of work. Mm -hmm. um, and up here, well, in the cabinet, I keep different things. But um, up here, I actually have my audio interface mm -hmm. that uh, is basically like uh, a little desktop sound card thing. But this is a little bit uh, more robust. It's called an Aurora N, made by Lynx. Uh, it's modular. You can add more channels of conversion and stuff. But it's basically where your microphones come in. Mm -hmm. uh, four microphone preamps I have in there. But uh, a converter is the main part of this. Um, it also records onto an, an SD card internally. Mm -hmm. uh, just such a fantastic thing. And it it's, comes from a good pedigree of Lynx products. Lynx, um, when... Daft Punk was uh, choosing their recording interfaces for the digital lead recorded tracks of their um, random access memories. You know, the one that won the Grammy and it sounded mm -hmm. fantastic. It was a huge endeavor and they took it very seriously. They even took their, their analog tapes and drove it themselves all the way across America from, I think, California to uh, the northern eastern coast. Uh, I can't remember who the uh, mastering engineer was, um, but they drove it in, the, in their car to make sure it was safe. Um, they chose Lynx Aurora, the previous generation of converters. So it's uh, really good sound. And then below that, I just have a, um, uh, the gray one there is a Rupert Neve Designs uh, two-channel compressor. It's called a Portico uh, 5043. Um, having a analog compression, it, you don't have to go this quality, but analog compression washed a lot harder before the and, and the sound doesn't really fall apart sometimes it just gets better and better and better uh where digitally once the, if you really squash it heavily especially with just one compressor uh the sound quality tends to fall apart so are you currently using that equipment right now actually yes i am coming in through a wireless sure microphone um oh i didn't even see that look at that there. yeah and the transmitter is going into channel one of the um, mic for mic prees. It's then routed out channel three into the input of uh, the right side uh, compressor there and out channel three of the output of, uh, sorry, out of the compressor back into the uh, link. No, I'm just going straight to the trans, a microphone cable that comes into um, this is uh, something I wanted to show you guys. It's Ooh. just a little interface made by Sure. I'm using this because this is incredibly affordable and it's a good product to have. I carry this with me in my field case. Uh, I've got a headphone out. This is the headphone. Uh, this is where the compressor is coming in. Uh, so I, I microphone to the microphone preamp, brings up to line level audio. The line level then goes into compression. That's a leveling amplifier. And it's sort of 
boosting up the quiet parts of the, my words and then bringing down the loud parts. So if I talk really loud, that's actually me like really talking loud, but it's, it's keeping it in a manageable and it's super clear, super transparent. It just makes your ears relax and you can hear, you can just relax your ears and just listen. It's more, it's more mm -hmm. of a pleasure to, that's compressed and controlled. And it's kind of necessary with small speakers like a cell phone or television or laptop. Uh, those small speakers don't tend to do well with highly dynamic uh, sound. You want to just kind of squash the dynamics a little bit, make it controlled. So that's what it's doing. Then it's coming into this right here, analog. It's converting it to digital and then sending out through this USB cord into my Mac laptop, La Mac or PC. It, it does not matter. Mm -hmm. So that's a Sure MVI. Wow. See, this is why we brought you because that, that, just all that knowledge that you just said there, I, I like, it sounds great. And I understood like 10% of that. <laughs> no, you got it all. I'm and, sure. and especially visually when you're like, oh, this is the analog thing. I'm like, that's an XLR cable. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know these, this, XLR. This, this thing is only about a hundred dollars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so if you so were, how does it power road and you did a podcast on, sorry, and you did a podcast on your cell phone or something, hmm. you can take your, uh, you know, your right into here. And then it becomes a way to take your lav, record your audio into a cell phone. Okay. Gotcha. Right. So you can use professional level, uh, mic XLR, uh, cables. That's a positive four volt. Uh, DB, um, positive four DB standard line level, professional level audio uh, being converted and sent into your uh, your uh, cell phone. And you can do a live stream like that, or you can use this as a, an external recorder, uh, whatever you want to do. Super handy piece of gear. Hmm. I can see that being really useful if you were like live streaming, for example, where if you say on Instagram, it's kind of tricky to connect external cameras and stuff and go live on Instagram. It really likes you just using the phone app. But if you had that as your audio source, if you're able to use that and have your wireless mic and everything, that would look really nice. Absolutely. Really nice. Because remember, if you were trying to do something really ambitious and you wanted top quality, you wanted it to compete with the, with the best sounding stuff, you could rent, if not buy, uh, a compressor maybe even an equalizer, rent it for the day, whatever, you can send your stuff through this chain, record on your phone and be live streaming or record a TikTok, record a, an Instagram, uh, record a, say, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you want to record out somewhere, you can record it into your phone. You could use the video from your phone, but your audio would be perfect. And, and as we know, guys, audio is 90% of the video. True. Yeah. Harsh reality, Am I allowed to say true. that? Is, is sound is mm -hmm. sound is so important. No, definitely. And, and if you want to get that top quality, you can do that even with this uh, 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 through uh, something like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, definitely a crisp video image, but horrible sound will not retain attention. <laughs> no. Yeah. People will not forgive you for the sound, but they'll forgive you for a bad video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll remind my Dorn. clients of that. <laughs> Darren, I don't know about you, but I want to see what's in Drew's field kit. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So is, is it full of stuff you had in your last gig? 
what do you mean by my last gig? So like what we did together or, well, or no, since well, what's one? inside your uh, uh, field kit backpack? Okay. I assume uh, it's something you so used last week, quick. maybe. It, yeah. Yes. No, I'm, I'm, I carry it with me uh, all the time, mm-hmm. almost all the time, really. Mm-hmm. So first off is, is the bag itself. Obviously um, this, it doesn't matter what kind of bag you use, but this, military type bag actually has a ton of organization in it. like i've got a big pocket down here i put the cords and my headphones and the headphones this is what i'm carrying i use these i've been using these for like 15 years this is the sony mdr 7506 headphones uh, they're flat you can mix sound you can mix music on it in fact one of the most renowned um mix engineers, Andrew Sheps, uh, I'd say one of top 20 uh, of the best online teachers. He does pure sound or he does a few different things. He works with Wave Audios to develop plugins. He's got some of his own signature plugins. He went uh, from having this amazing studio uh, with a a wall of of choice analog hardware equipment, some of it coming from actually the Motown, uh, early Motown music studios. and And he bought some of those pieces of gear, like legendary stuff kind of with a lot of vibe and 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 well he he went all in the box which means he uses uh, exclusively uh plugins for uh, and and just right in his computer allows him to recall sessions a week later without having to reset all the knobs on his analog gear because uh, that's the downside of analog uh and he's come up with a good way of doing it anyways he he'll, he'll record on the road you know he'll have he'll have maybe like the red hot chili peppers say i got this track we need this thing mixed by next week and he says well i'm out on the road and uh, so he doesn't have to say anything he just records it on this and he says the customers aren't complaining he's working in the box using digital processes which we all can do for processing our audio and he uses these when he gets back to a big set of uh, monitors he can fix his lows and just a few little tweaks but he's ultimately doing on this um, so this is the, these are the headphones, uh, what are they? 165 bucks, roughly than that. So the Sennheisers, which are like 600 for the 600s, the HD 600s. And then you can go really high up in uh, planar, uh, forget it. It's too much information. Uh, there's higher stuff too, but these ones will be just fine for you. So, you know, charging stuff. I've, I've got a lot of this stuff taken out because some of the stuff I carry around is this device I've shown you. Mm-hmm. The wireless system i only bring i only now own one lav mic i keep the uh cord and the transmitters in these bags which i got from the home depot which has these screen mesh so you can see what's inside of each one without Uh having to open it it's very handy uh those those are good and uh, you know i don't know if they were 10 bucks for you get a like set of three of those together and um, everything has its own little packages. Uh, the headphones come with a little uh, case for the headphones. Uh, so bag is not that important, but cases are really important. Like this, uh, this is another case. You guys recognize this one. This is the flight case. So mm-hmm. it's just the right size for carry-on. It's the biggest you can have. For the, it's the, it's the, probably even says on it. It's, it's exactly the size you want to get the most in your carry-on as possible. And when we were touring in Germany and Italy and in enrollment on that stuff and flying around, uh, I even went to Australia and New Zealand working in these things, uh, you, you take them on. 
the world has changed since then. Uh, we won't talk about that. So <laughs> this is a um, this is a this is a Sennheiser. It, it works, and I can swap this out to have this as the microphone with that same transmitter. Oh, so I got, cool. And then they transmit wirelessly, and they use. Uh, I should tell you what actual product it is. It's the one where you just hit the pair. It pairs. Uh, it's got the uh, automatic detection of your levels, and it is powered by lithium ion. So it's got like 20 hours of life. So you can really go for a long time. Um, I recommend that over the AA batteries because you don't get a readout about how much time you have on AA's. So you're always throwing the used, partially used AA's into a bag or a box. And now you've got 50 of them uh, partially mm -hmm. used. And you're saying, oh, take these home here. You want some used, half used batteries? <laughs> take them. Mm -hmm. put them in the uh, remote batteries for my c100 that i travel with I, oh is I'm, that the same one you started out with that's the same one wow. i've i don't have any reason to and i just travel around with this one of uh 24 to 105 uh it's um it's it does does what i need if i want to go something more expensive I don't have to own something more expensive. I'm always afraid of, like I used to have um, about $150,000 worth of equipment and I was scared to leave the house. Mm. And I, I don't want to, you don't have to live like that. There's, if you, if you live out in the country or middle of America somewhere, you will need to own a lot more gear. But if you live in the city and you have access to a rental house, you don't. Um, so I'm happy with what I've got here. So I'm just showing you the basics. C100, mic set. And a good case, and I'm done. That's it. And the rest uh, I'll rent. Okay. Yeah, I, I I've heard of a few people who kind of live by that philosophy with cameras as well, and I know I've done it for certain projects, uh, where depending on your use case, you might not want to have a jack of all trades camera, but master of none. You know. Same thing with audio. One point on that handheld microphone I just showed you, it's an omnidirectional pattern, uh, pickup pattern on the, on the uh, diaphragm. That means that when you get really close to it, it doesn't get bassy. Mm. Um, that's what omnidirectional is really good for. Um, so it's if you're interviewing somebody on the street, which would be very common right now, given what the interest of people are, what, what kind of video they want to make, you can make a killing off that, just get out there start recording somebody and say hey do you what do you want to do with this do you want to develop this or do more with it and you know what you might get uh part of a group that's got a big gofundme account and they want that clip to be sent out you can work with them whatever that's entrepreneurial thinking but uh that microphone would be good for that however i haven't done that kind of thing so i don't really use that microphone a lot i wouldn't recommend that unless you know that that's what you're doing because uh, don't invest in equipment with the expectation of future development mm -hmm. do what spend your money and do what is right in front of you now uh then you'll you'll uh, just do that just do that just uh don't think about how big you'll get or what type of amazing jobs you'll get uh, just see what's in front of you right now and, and take that on
Mm-hmm. Awesome. So if you had to choose, like you, you said, that would be a good scenario for the omnidirectional microphone. Walk us through what would be good situations to use a shotgun microphone or a lav or something like that. Okay. So these lav mics are often also omnidirectional. Uh, that means that it's got a, let's say, a 360-degree pickup pattern. If you are coming from one degree of 360, that means that you're part one of 360 uh, for 359 uh, parts room sound. So you want it really close. Um, however, it's not close enough still. Mm-hmm. If there is someone else talking and you want them to have an immediate up close in focus sound and they're right beside you, you can't put two of these omnidirectionals side by side or sitting across from the table. So if you're setting up a podcast scenario, for example, or you're setting a room for uh, dramatic uh, capture, you would not want to use these sorts of mics. You would want something that only picks up what's coming from a very small focused place. And that's what a shotgun mic is for. You can have almost no room sound. The only thing it hears, it hears like through a telescope pointing right at your mouth. Uh, That way, when you record it, you'll be able to compress the sound, which brings up the low uh, audio sounds, not low, like frequency low, like quiet stuff. But you don't want to bring up the room. You know, you want to squash it, make it make it good. Uh, easy to listen to, but would not bring up a lot of room. So you need a dry signal. That's what a shotgun mic would be for. So you would use maybe two shotguns. One points at one person, the other at another, and then you can get that dry sound. Same with the dramatic scenes. You'll have somebody holding a boom mic and pointing it right at the mouth. He's listening, so he knows his aim is correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, recording directly into a field recorder, like an F, Zoom F4 or something like that, or a two-channel Zoom uh, H4N something like that. These, these can be gotten for 200 bucks online kind of thing used through Craigslist, uh, Kijiji market, Facebook marketplace. So there's another type of, uh, microphone, like for example, uh, these big diaphragm, these big studio microphones, uh, those, those, uh, come in multiple, lots of different patterns. Uh, a lot of them are cardioid, which means it's more, of, uh, of it, it's more, it's bigger, but it's in a direction where uh, coming from behind, there's not a lot of sound that gets picked up, mostly just what's in front of it. And then you get stage mics like the SM58 for sure. They're everywhere. Uh, that has rear rejection. So for example, if you have a, a speaker on the front of a stage and, and a musician is hearing what their guitar and their vocal and the drum is doing, um, that microphone is actually pointed with the back of it exactly at the speaker so that that speaker doesn't go into the microphone. So they're rear rejecting. And uh, so you can think of lots of different scenarios for that. But if you're doing a podcast, you want to have the microphones to not pick up each other. So you'll have a stage mic or some kind of mic with a cardioid pickup pattern close to the person speaking, or you'll have a shotgun. Hmm. Okay. Mm Hmm. Well, that's if people are in the same room. Me and we're we're doing it over Zoom, so I'm just using a, a Zoom H1 right now. 
Yeah, and you've got some sound deadening stuff, so that yes. will help keep your sound dry. And I can hear how dry it sounds. It sounds great. Oh, thank you. Mike, uh, Nate, let's hear yours. Yeah, here's mine. I've got it just out of frame there. It's like a, a blue snowball ice, and then I've got a pop filter in front of it. And it's just like yeah. a USB mic. Yeah, sounds really good. And then we already went over your mic mm. clip there. Yeah, one, th one thing that annoys me a little bit about lav mic that you kind of touched on is the fact that um, you need to be so close to it. Like, for example, even you, if because you position it uh, underneath uh, like your mouth, right? But when you turned over to the right to look at your equipment, I couldn't hear you as well because the mic didn't right. follow uh, with you. So what right. would be, be a solution for that? You know, if you've got a uh, a mic like you guys have, uh, that will be uh, a bit better. Um, but there's there's not really anything you can do. You can have somebody following you with a, a boom mic, uh, mm -hmm. or you can be in a really well treated room, and then just have the mic further away from you, and then it'll it'll just pick up more of your area. Um, that's about it. There's not much you can do. You you need to keep your uh, focus your voice focused where the microphone sweet spot is. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have a, a omnidirectional uh, just above you, ahead of you. Um, that that would help. Yeah, those those are more controlled settings. Um, but what do you do if like someone's on stage speaking and um, they're like turning around to talk to different, you know, panel discussion, for example? I guess, like, I guess the go-to would be just a handheld and the person has to hold it right to their face. Yeah, like, if you if you train them, but this is, like, they'll forget. But if you <laughs> teach them a trick to uh, hold this against their chin, if they've got uh, whiskers like I've got, you're going to hear that. So that's not really good for that. Uh, you know what, there's... There's uh, these... Uh, countryman style that uh, go over your ear and, and in front of your mouth that's that's probably the best if you're uh, on a stage um, somewhere oh yeah like 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 they do in TED talks and that kind of stuff or yes when, when and, and they're mixing in some room sound if you listen to that microphone dry without any added room noise so they probably have uh, mics hanging above the stage or or something like that to capture the uh, capture the audience if you mute those signals and you just have the one countryman, it is extremely dry and it's very unnatural. So unless you're in a live setting and you're putting in some room tone, uh, you probably, uh, you wouldn't like that for a podcast. Right, right. So in that scenario, would you argue for better sound or for more aesthetic look? Like, let's say the client says like, oh, I don't want this thing coming over my face. What, what discussion would you have with them at that point? Would you explain to them the advantage sound-wise? Or would you prioritize, okay, the lab is going to do a good enough job? So, obviously, there's some competing noise. Yeah, uh, you probably want to come prepared with a shotgun. Mm. Do you and... do, like, uh, a backup setup? So, so, like, you would have a... Um, you know, let's say you have a cardioid, um, um, for the podcast, but would you also have like a, um, shotgun as a backup? What would you use as a backup? 
Well, you're talking about um, creative experimental playing and you are not sure the aesthetic that you're looking for. So you're doing things that allow you to have more flexibility in post-production. Mm-hmm. If that's your, if that's what you're doing, then use lots of different uh, experiment and have fun. Uh, do what you're curious about and look at the results, listen to it, be critical of it. Um, it will only make you better at, your, at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned room tone earlier, Drew, do you want to expand upon that? Oh, um, you know what? It's almost, I didn't use that word correctly. Room tone is the sound of the electronics and the uh, maybe the the room has moving air. Maybe it's got some kind of fan or HVAC system. It's the sound of the room without anybody talking. Uh, so I guess that's that wasn't the right word. Room tone is something that you should capture. Uh, sometimes you have to ask your uh, talent to just hold tight for a minute. Give me fifteen sec. Uh, fifteen seconds is a long time. You don't need that much, but maybe you ask them to give you ten seconds of. Just sitting there, just being quiet. It'll help me with editing later. That way, if you have to cut off a word or if you add more space or do a certain edit uh, and you need to... F- when you cut sound and have a space of no sound, that full mute is as loud as anything else. You need to put in a room tone to fill the gap um, so that it's, not, it's just smooth and, and, and unnoticeable that you made that edit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the room reverb, the room sound of somebody speaking, that's uh, the reflections of the walls, the, re- the sound of the audience, the, um, the long tail of the sound of the room. It's a short tail. Like if you clap, how long later, how long before there's no sound at all? That's the tail. Um, bigger room, bigger tail. Uh, in your bathroom or in a car, there's still a tail, but it's just very short, right? Uh, Speaking of a bathroom, the sound, if you clapped it, you'll hear more of a ringing sound. Mm -hmm. That's because you're hearing uh, not so much a tail, you're hearing early reflections. That's the immediate bounce off the walls and right back to you. Uh, So there's there's two kind of parameters used in in making up, uh, discussing reverbs and making up uh, settings for uh, artificial reverbs like digital processing where you'll uh, make an adjustment between how much of uh, the early reflections versus how much of a tail. If you want to be dramatic and, and vocal, you might use a lot more of a tail. If you want to mix something into a space, into a room, you're really just looking for a lot more of the uh, early reflections. Mm, okay. So if you were using a countryman and it's too dry, put another microphone or even two microphones so you can have stereo of your uh, natural room ambient of the actual space. Uh, you'll get a good sound. You can then add a little bit more, let's say, embellishment using digital reverb. Be judicious about it, though. Don't go overboard. Tone it, bring it back, go to maybe where you like it and then bring it back 20% just to be safe. You only need so little. I'm talking like 5% and you've got enough reverb to give something a natural sound. 
but anyways, if you put out two more microphones, uh, cardioid, omni, whatever you got, you probably have cardioid. Then you're getting uh, something that you can embellish with more reverb. Mix that in with the Countryman, and then you'll get that TED Talks uh, sound. Really good for stage performances or where you have an audience and someone's giving a lecture or um, some kind of public meeting. Uh, countrymen, really good. Mm -hmm. So, Drew, I've got a lot of videographer friends who shoot weddings a lot. Now, t give me some tips and tricks on how to capture sound the best at a wedding. Um, well, I'll give you my way. Uh, who knows what the best is, but you probably want to have some extra field audio recorders, like the Zoom handheld uh, two-channel input kind of things. You'll, you'll hide one in the bouquet at the, the head of the table uh, in front of the bride and groom, catch them uh, when they're speaking to each other over the clinking glasses and all the sounds of the room. Uh, you'll want to put another one hooked into the PA system because the officiator will have a, a microphone line and, and you do not want to be catching the sound through the internal microphones of your camcorder uh, through their PA system. Um, almost intelligible uh, noise, that would be. So you're trying to get these signals. Um, I don't know if you're using wireless for all this stuff. Cables tend to get, get a bit long. You'll want to show up nice and early some 50-foot microphone cables, uh, possibly some tape or uh, some mats that you can find. Take a, a mat and from a front door entrance or something like that, um, if you're allowed, if, if you think it's appropriate, Just put over your cables in a high traffic area so no one catches their foot. And now you've got a lawsuit on your hands or you just ruined <laughs> someone's day or drawn attention to yourself. Um, <laughs> don't wear a white uh, suit. No, uh, back to um, the yeah. You want to hide some microphones. Make sure you get some clean uh, inputs. Uh, stereo um, placement of microphones for the room, so that when people clink in glasses, you want a nice big open sound for that and be able to use it. Uh, so small little uh, zoom um, things. They they work fine. That's 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 good stuff, especially when it's far away and uh, you're you're hiding it. Don't hide it next to a wall, because that amplifies the frequencies that uh, measure and coincide with that that distance from the wall, and then it attenuates others, so you get an unnatural uh, boost and attenuation of different frequencies of your sound. So keep it open, keep it away from walls, your microphone uh, diaphragms. <clears throat> um, you want to probably use shotguns because you're not putting a microphone. Uh, on the wedding gown of uh, the bride. Um, what, what do you mean by shotguns, though? Because every time uh, I hear shotgun, I think of it on a boom or on a C-stand, but you're not going to do that at a wedding. So what do you mean by that? Well, the, the different parts of the of the boom are the the boom arm, the uh, cage, the, or the, uh, the dead cat, as they call it. The windshield, yeah. Um, the microphone itself, that part is called the shotgun mic. Mm -hmm. so that a shotgun mic is a long mic that has a way of rejecting side uh sounds and focusing it uh narrowly on on something from, so you can use it from far away and get not the sound of the room but the person talking and, and and you can turn up the level like we were talking about earlier and you're just bringing up the level of that person talking 
uh, not the room. So you probably want that set up. Uh, I wouldn't so much rely on the pastor or minister of, or the city officiator, town officiator being close enough that their lab will pick it up. But that can work. And I think that might be the best way if you're working a, um, a job that would require that. And you know the restraints of some jobs. Some jobs are just really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they don't want to pay, you know, a whole lot. So that kind of thing. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good place to capture uh, the groom, the bride, and the officiator. Right. But a placement-wise, basically, you, it would still be, like you said with the other ones, just kind of hidden. Like you would have the shotgun hooked up to a recorder and both of them are kind of like out of view of the photographer and the video like let's say behind a decor but pointed at the bride and the other one pointed at the groom you know what if you get a longer shotgun you can put it further away and have the same result uh so far away that nobody's complaining that it's Mm -hmm. not hidden by a plant or whatever just on a stand um 10 feet off to one side, 10 feet off to another side. Uh, experiment. You want Again, you want to show up early. Mm-hmm. You want to show up mm-hmm. early for your job. You need to test this stuff out. Um, so that's what I mean by shotguns on stands. For, further away than uh, the main action. You want it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you got bride and groom. You got uh, behind them. They've got the minister. I'm talking out here. Mm, okay. um and then in behind because you kind of face facing them over the shoulders of each other so they're more to the back wall facing forward and then the the um the minister can have a, a lav mic on yes yeah, it won't sound exactly the same when the minister speaks versus them but uh you can experiment and, and get some good stuff if there's something else in the front you could hide a microphone in there that might capture all three of them mm-hmm. if they turn back on it and you didn't know that they, that they would you're in trouble so you might want to have a backup plan. You don't want to ruin. You don't want to ruin it because you get one chance, right? So you don't want to sell a job saying, you know, people have a tendency towards wishful thinking. You want to be careful of that. I say to my kids sometimes, be careful. It doesn't mean anything. What being careful means is when you think you've done enough to prepare, you haven't. Think again. And I don't talk to them like that. I'm talking to you like that though, because yes. we're, we get that professional result. And we're taking people's money. So we're thinking about how we can serve them, right? So the idea is uh, have redundancies. An an SD card might fail or something like that. That actually has never happened to me. But uh, I've heard that sort of thing can happen. Um, Things run out of batteries. You want to have everything charged up. Lots of batteries. You're changing batteries when you can. Mm -hmm. Um, Attention to yourself. And when the reception comes... After the reception, there's often a dance party and you want to get tapped into a direct feed of the music and the microphone of the DJ because people will be running up to the DJ booth to say things to the crowd. Uh, The groom, uh, maybe his parents or the bride's parents will pick it up and say something or they'll call some people up saying this is dedicated to you. If you're recording the party, which I don't know if anyone will ever watch again, but at least you'll get that. So you want to be so you want to have like uh, 50 foot microphone cables uh, nice and long because you're running it from a DJ booth back to wherever you're positioned and you'll be putting uh, cables under mats and things so people can walk over it without tripping up on them. And uh, 
so that's probably like five or so microphone feeds you're you're getting mm -hmm. and it's changing in different settings so you want to find out where the ceremony is where you can be for that go you will know where that the ceremony is obviously uh but then you'll need to know where is everyone going after that to the reception and then the dance hall uh, meet the DJ as soon as possible. Uh, maybe you can even start getting their contact information um, ahead of time because they know who the DJ will be. And you, you can ask these questions and they will gladly mm. give it to you. If that's They'll assume, no, that's part of their job. And cool, I got the right guy. Or girl. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Sweet. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think that, that sums it up nicely. Thanks mm. for going through that, Drew. I hope that works for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's pretty much in line with kind of what I've been doing and uh, a bit more. I haven't thought of using shotgun mics, but I'll give it, uh, I'll give it some serious consideration now. Like you said, I got to experiment with it. Yeah. So it would be a redundant uh, array of microphones that you can put into post and see how it turns out. Mm -hmm. And speaking of post, uh, um, oh, I know there's so many things I want to ask, but um, let's just ask some some more um, common things, I guess, like uh, audio ducking. Um, how how do you go about doing that? Because you also mentioned that you use a bit of room noise uh, or room tone. Um, so, like going in between like speeches and then everyone's like, you know, doing the thing with the glasses and the clinks are happening. Um, how, what does ducking look like for that? What techniques do well, you have? Is, is, it, something... is, is it as simple as just putting layers and then just lowering mm -hmm. volume for each one? Or is there more to it? There's an automatic setting for doing it, but just to, set the uh, understanding for what ducking is. And I think most people know uh, ducking is a post-production technique of lowering the background noise or music or even background noise of any kind to uh, keep the focus on the um, subject, the, the main focus, focus sound. Uh, so, for example, in a production of uh, a promotional, you'll have music and it's just you know, the music is full of energy. If this maybe this is uh, the typical sale thing is is lots of energy and music and it's going to pump up and it might even be like dub music or rock music or dance music. And then somebody's going to say something. Well, you want that music to come down. And uh, then when they're fin finished speaking, they'll come back up. That not only helps keep the focus on the main thing uh it adds the clarity intelligibility uh keeps the energy up but it also gives the effect that the sound is produced professionally mm. because when your sounds interact it becomes a cohesive part where things are interacting with each other that's a mix so um ducking is done by the use of a compressor or you can manually automate uh, the volume uh, of the background uh, noise or music by setting automated automation points, ducking the uh, audio level, and then when someone's finished speaking, bring it back up. However, if you do it manually, how do you know that you're doing it uniformly across the whole the project? 
probably the better way to do this is to use a compressor. And compressors have um, input, they have, they have a detection signal, which can either be the signal, like for example, what I'm doing, I'm speaking into this microphone, it's going through a mic uh, preamplifier to bring it up to line level. And then it's, 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 it's taking dynamic sound and it's, it's reducing its dynamics to more like this, but bringing the whole thing up um, and mm -hmm. containing it, the dynamics, it's squashing it and bringing the whole thing up. The detection is my voice and it's leveling my voice. However, in the ducking, the detection will be my voice, but it's lev it's leveling background music. So when you set up your compressor, you'll have an input detector signal, which you'll 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 uh, set to external, meaning another sound source will be ducking this channel. You'll if you have busing, that that's busing is like you know when you take a bus to school, uh, something that brings you to point A to point B. Um, you'll bus the sound of the voice to the compressor input detect the detector detection signal uh, for the music. So now when you set a compression level and a threshold, uh, it will have that effect on the music from my voice as the detect as the input signal. So anyways, the do you want to know the settings that are recommended for this sort of thing? Or is that okay? Well, um, one quick thing I wanted to ask as a clarification, because um, I, I only caught on to this I think last year. So if I have, because um, I'm not, I don't have that much audio hardware. Let's say I have stock music that we got off of a stock website for my corporate client, and then we have the interview lav mic. Um, so I have two audio tracks and I want to duck the music when the person's going to come in and speak in the highlight video. Um, before I used to just, you know, do a cut right underneath where the voice would be on the music track and just lower the, like lower everything by whatever 20 decibels. But when I started using compressors and limiters, I realized what you kind of, what you said, correct me if I'm wrong here in my understanding, but that keeps more of the frequencies level together with the music so it's it's even though it's quieter it's it's still you still hear the full track whereas if i just lower by 20 db the quiet uh, parts of the track are now 20 db quieter as well so they're like negative 50 maybe does that kind of make sense yes however you've got an idea that you've included there that mm -hmm. I don't think that you want to include. And that's the idea that if you've got a dynamic music that you want to squash its dynamics, now you've got an overly compressed music that you are using. You're taking that overly compressed music, which now is really shouty and doesn't have a lot of life to it. And now when I speak, the overly compressed sound is going down. Mm-hmm. You don't want to compress that sound. You just want to bring, uh, say, say this represents compressed music. This represents the fully dynamic as you're purchasing the music. Mm -hmm. You want to bring thing down. And yes, the quiet parts of it will be quiet, but that's okay. Okay. If you think that you can benefit that background music by bringing up that low, then a setting for your compressor compressor 
that will do better to bring up quiet parts but not yeah. ruin the dynamics of your music is as follows and you want to write this down if you're studying this you want a fast attack time i'm talking like one millisecond you want to have a release time of about 1500 to, to 2000 milliseconds that means two seconds mm -hmm. so that when then you find your 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 threshold uh bring it down quite a bit uh, into the music mm -hmm. uh down so uh you're really engaged uh the in the signal and then you turn up your ratio to maybe 1.2 to 1.5 see what that does for you play with the threshold where it, where it, where it should be and that means that when your music goes from being full of sound to being quiet over a second and a half which is 15 1500 milliseconds to 2000 milliseconds two seconds over two seconds it will take for the compressor to ease off and bring up that low stuff but every big punch or drum or anything like that it's allowing that to, to go through on uh not too too difficultly uh without harming it too much and then you need to look for the mix knob you want to mix in only certain amount of wetness so you need a dry wet knob you want to bring up maybe 20 percent 30 percent but not a hundred percent and if you don't have a wet knob do not do this just ride it manually do it manually mm -hmm. uh percentage of this uh because in reality when you set a compressor to something at a 0.1 millisecond you are taking every waveform and flattening it um to the extent that your ratio if, you, if you're up to a a 10 to 1, you're really flattening that. Even 8 or 6 to 1, you're taking a lot of life out of that sound. Uh, lowering its quality to sound more like an early Nintendo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So um, use your wet dry knob. That's called parallel processing. And mixing in a little bit of that compressor mm -hmm. will give you a good result. However, um, that's how to control your music if you want to make it a little less dynamic so that the quiet parts aren't so quiet. So that's separate. Now you want to, after you've got that music sorted out, now you want to add another compressor, which it takes a signal detection from the dialogue. Uh, a setting that you'd use for this, um, you might want it to release not instantly, uh, but over a half a second, 500 milliseconds. Try that. Go down to 250 if you want it faster. Go up to 1,000 milliseconds if you want a full second of the sound coming back up when someone's finished speaking. Uh, obviously, if it's high energy and 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 if they're coming in and out a lot, you want to go short. Mm -hmm. If it's um, really like more detailed, longer speeches, the music is more like uh, soundscapey. You can just go uh, a, a full 1,000 milliseconds for that music to come back up. 20 dB, you said you're bringing it down. That's a lot, but mm. it might not be a lot. That's that that might be that might be good actually. Fifteen mm -hmm. dB down, ten dB down. It it depends. I wouldn't so much try to break down the frequencies because you can use a multiband compressor, and if you if you know a thing or two about what frequencies uh, are are more presence, so that if you just take away presence, it goes into the background. You're changing the balance of that music. I don't think that that's ever worked out for me in any way that I've liked. So yeah, full broadband compress and bring the whole thing down. Don't just try to bring down like 4,000 Hertz 
and the sub frequencies because mm-hmm. that makes things uh, this the, the really ten thousand frequencies and up. That stuff makes things sound like it's close. Further distant things are more narrow uh, bandwidth. Don't try to play games like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Or experiment. I'm not telling you what not to experiment on. That's for sure. Have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Do you think, mm-hmm. boy? And girl. Oh man, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> We need more girls in videography and sound recording. We need more girls everywhere. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we need less guys and just more girls everywhere. Oh, hey, hey, hey. I, I got to work married. too, so. <laughs> I'm married. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, last episode we had our first uh, uh, f- uh, female videographer on the podcast, so that was exciting. Lots of uh, fun experiences and uh, stories she had to say, so it was really cool. Um. Yeah, yeah. I think ducking was the main thing I wanted to ask you, and thank you very much for answering that. Um, yeah, ducking will make things interact, which makes things more of a package, mm-hmm. and gives you more professional polish. Drew, what are some adjustments you make if you record someone on an interview or something, and you want them to sound more epic or have more presence, like a vocal enhancer type thing? This is fun stuff. This is super fun stuff. If you want really epic, though, you have to start with the choice of microphone. If you're doing a voiceover and you're going for the Transformers, uh, what's his name? Megatron. Optimus Prime. Yeah. Optimus Prime. If you want that theatrical trailer sound, that's more like what Nathan has there. You got a pop filter. Oh yeah, Nate, go really, go really close and say something in a whisper, quiet uh, way. Drew Stapleton, I am close to the microphone, whispering. Now, sound. I don't have a lot of bass in my voice, but if if I if I really relax, I can get a bit more. And of course, if I warm up and stuff, I can get a little bit more. And if I go out and smoke ten packs of cigarettes. Probably I'll get, I have no idea. Maybe it would get even worse. Uh, I, I mean, bat, whatever, get lower. But there are people who maybe you'll work with and they're chosen because they have some kind of great theatrical kind of tone, but that's how you'll get that. You'll use a large diaphragm microphone like you have in front of you. Um, there are high quality ones. If you want to go really high quality, you can go with like, and, and rental places have these like Neumann U87. Uh, the new ones, don't worry about vintage and all that kind of stuff. Um, these are really good, clean microphones. A TLM 103 from Neumann. Neumann is German, goes back to Second World War. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's Hitler's microphone. They made one of them make the best for Hitler. So that's kind of where these companies come from. Um, so that's really good mic. I use uh, Audio-Technica. I've got a uh, 5041 or something like that. It was like 6,000 bucks or something like that. It's totally unne- unnecessary. You can use an Audio-Technica uh, 2020 or a 4040, 4041. I think these, I, I'm getting these right. These microphones, like 120 bucks, or the other one I mentioned was like 200 and something dollars, and you can rent them. Mm. Or you can just use a stage mic. If you're on a budget, that's a $135 mic, or you can rent it for maybe 15 bucks. I don't know. So SM58, something like that. No, SM57. That's what I was meaning about stage mics. I said 58 before. That's essentially the same mic, but it's really good for guitar cabinets and, and 
stuff in, in the studio. It's a studio mic. Okay. The other one's a stage mic. Uh, SM57 stage mic. No, 58 is the stage mic. Sorry. So it's a microphone filter. You're getting, you're getting really close. And so I don't have the voice, but essentially you're using, you're speaking more quietly. And that's what gives a sense of presence and really loud, like they're right beside you. They make you sound huge. Some of the biggest sounding vocals of records is actually the singer sounding quietly close to the mic. Now, how do you process this stuff? If you wanted to make it sound more epic, and then we can talk about maybe what you do to everything. Because uh, there is a, a, a general, like, you know you're going to have to do this, you know you're going to have to do that. But let's do the fun thing. Um, there's something called a multi-band compressor. Mm -hmm. Multi-band meaning that the, the spectrum of sound, which uh, at... 44.1 or 48 let's say 48 kilohertz half of 48 is 24 48 kilohertz therefore goes up to 24,000 hertz of of sound that's the nyquist limit for 48 um 48,000 hertz of uh sample frequency which we're using for these videos cds were 44.1 so that would bring you to uh you know, 22, whatever, uh, 1,000 hertz. That's the highest limit. Uh, zero is being, you know, sub sub bass. You know, big subwoofers is like, you know, uh, 30 to, uh, to 80 kind of thing. You can break up compression, compression to the different frequencies. So if you want to compress your highs, the, the air highs stuff, and the lows, but leave the center intact. Or if you want to do a low mid and a high mid, so now you've got four. You see that a lot of multiband compressors actually do default to maybe four. Um, waves C4, Waves C6. Um, these are classics, not expensive. We're talking like 25 bucks to 100 bucks, depending on the, what the sale is going on. Uh, you can get these and they work in Premiere Pro. They work in all these things. So it's not expensive. So what you do is you set this on the as an effect, a filter effect on your vocal track. And to get that control of the bass, so the bass is exactly that loud and, and, and it's very controlled, that's what you're hearing. It's never the bass fluctuating a lot that bass is always hitting exactly the same loudness with every word that person is speaking. And then you can set the level to the right spot. You're bringing a multiband compressor to just the sub bass. So it's like 100 to zero. You're setting a threshold so that it comes down into where the level is, is coming up and it's grabbing. And then as the sound goes above your threshold, if you have a two to one ratio, that means you need two dBs of level coming in. It will only allow one through. So ratio. If you have a four to one ratio, it, you need four dBs of audio above your threshold to make it go one dB up. Mm. So you're, you're, it's, it's after your threshold 
a ratio of how much pressure is needed to get it to go and it'll let it through that much pressure. So you're setting your threshold, your ratio to where you want it. Um, you're, you're not squashing all the dynamics out of it. And because bass is, is a slower frequency, you need a, a more time for attack to come through without squashing it. Cause then you'll actually change the waveform of your bass a sub-frequency of like uh, the low bass of these voices that you want to record at uh, maybe it's down to 80 hertz or something. If you have a attack time where it's clamping down on that before a whole wave gets through, you're mangling that wave. So you need to open up your attack time to like 50, 60 uh, sort of milliseconds. And then you can have a release time of let's say 100 uh, on your release. A good ratio would be maybe three to one, maybe two and a half to one, uh, maybe four to one. Uh, you just experiment with what works for you. And then you're squashing it a bit, and then you're turning up the makeup gain and bringing up the bass. Now the bass from that voice will be hitting loud, clear, always in the same spot, always controlled. You've got it caged, in control. Your bass should always be in control. It is. It's something that you need to focus on uh, to get right. Uh, it needs a lot of, uh, of compression. Then you also want to bring up the highs. Highs can be, it, bring do the same for your highs. Maybe a frequency of like 10,000 and up. You're going to set a band, maybe 8,000 and up, uh, maybe 10,000 and up. And you're just getting that air frequency. You want to keep that at a constant level. Don't let it just fluctuate with... Uh, how it comes in naturally bring down your threshold so you start to engage at like a two to one three to one ratio attack time can be faster like six milliseconds ten milliseconds um uh maybe four milliseconds so really fast at release time you know 20 milliseconds 25 milliseconds and then uh, bring up that air careful treble is addictive and if too much treble fatigues the ears so you want to listen to your setting uh, for a few minutes. Live with it for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Leave, come back to it, um, especially until you get really familiar with what you're doing. Be subtle, but don't be afraid. It's a conundrum, but, but don't be afraid of making big moves. And then um, if you want to do some compression in the mids, then uh, you can always look up online to find more settings for these things. But the hi-fi sounds that broadens the bandwidth is boosting lows, boosting highs. And I'm talking about doing it, but adding a little bit control to them so they're always right there. That will give you that theatrical sound. The thing that you probably want to do to all dialogue, and we'll just maybe stick with just dialogue instead of music as well and effects and room tones and all that stuff. But for dialogue, there's a few different plugins um, and you don't need any analog hardware for doing all this stuff. The ducking and all this, this is not an analog realm thing. This is just digital using plugins. And if you want a little more professional plugins, something that doesn't come with your uh, video suite, then you can go to maybe waves.com. But if you've got a lot of Skrilla to play with, you can go to Fab Filter or Isotope, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E. Those two, they make an uh, incredible suite for mastering or they're just very clear, very good um, things to use. So uh, I find myself on everything uh, dialogue is controlling the s's you know even Sibilance. if you're whispering or if you're yelling s's always come out 
at the same sibilance is a certain bandwidth of sound um but s's the yeah it, part of that but you want to control the s's with a de-esser not a whole lot maybe you're taking off like uh, 4db 6db uh, that's quite a bit actually uh, maybe you don't tone it down to three, but that will just uh, help soothe the uh, S's, which don't sound very good. Um, if you're not EQ'd correctly, that can rip your head off. But also if you're using a certain type of microphone uh, or the position of, you know, you, you get a variety of, of recording qualities in your work. So you might need this because of just uh, the sound of the microphone or the setting that you're in. Uh, S's, DSers can also just control that high frequency stuff that comes from any source. Actually, you can use it on uh, on uh, clinking of glasses and all kinds of stuff. Um, so DSer, um, if you can use one of these new um, artificial intelligence or big algorithm type EQs and dynamics processors like um, Spiff or Gulfos, G-U-L-L-F-O-S-S, or um, yeah, these things, they have settings where you're just kind, they, they read the content, spectral and dynamic content of the sound, and it will tone down things that are masking other frequencies. So it'll help you clear out the bass, clear out the mids, so that nothing is really masking. If you have an over-representation of a certain part of the frequency spectrum, uh, it can make it harder to hear other frequencies. So it will detect that and give you a more flat response. Um, those are good for that. Uh, but they're like a few hundred dollars at this point. After that, um, you can use uh, EQ. You want to filter out the low rumble, the, the uh, low frequencies with a high pass filter. That means that high frequencies can pass through the filter. And maybe set it to a hundred. Um, you're not if unless you're using uh, a controlled environment uh, and you want that low bass uh, controlled thing, then you're already on a shock mounted uh, microphone. You're in a controlled situation. You might set it to like thirty hertz or forty hertz, fifty hertz. Um, but you want that sub bass. In my situation, there's almost I know that there's almost no hundred hertz and lower coming in through my setup right now. So I would just go ahead and throw a uh, 80 or 100 um, low high pass filter on there that cleans up the bottom stuff that will really trip up your uh, compression so that's it i'm not going to boost anything or change anything else on my eq uh, now i'm going to put in a compressor i'm going to do something like uh, 50 millisecond attack time so i'm not squashing uh, and flattening everything and taking the life out of it maybe 100 uh, milliseconds release time a two to three to one ratio uh, and uh, maybe even a 1.5, uh, just to reduce the dynamics a bit, not to control the very top end of the sound, but the whole thing is going to be uh, reduced by one, maybe a 1.2 to 1.5 uh, ratio. And that will just rein things in a little bit, make, uh, make it good. You can use a second compressor, um, to just limit now and maybe a four to one is good for dialogue just to, so that when they do shout or they do whatever uh something loud you are going to keep it from going any louder so that's the second compressor then i would do my boosting of the highs um whatever fixes or enhancements that are needed 
probably do it after the compression. So that's a second EQ now sandwiched with two compressors in the middle. Then I would put on a loudness metering plugin, which will tell me how loud I, I'm at. And, and for, uh, you can look up the standards for, for what you need for, for what you're doing, for wherever platform you're going to. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's it for processing dialogue. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. That's a, a good list of steps to go through. Mm. I'm excited to try it now. <laughs> yeah, and and you might want to play with something like a reverb. Mm -hmm. um, if you just want your your really dry vocal, uh, or or your really dry, I'm thinking music production sometimes because that's kind of what my uh, I I do both. I do you know recording audio for video as well, and and do lots in the field and stuff, but. Um, I've been working on music uh, right now. Um, so if you want to uh, put more ambience on your sound and push your sound back, then you would uh, put on a reverb and you might just want to use more early reflections and not so much tail. You might use a one second uh, release time. Uh, but if you want to add upfrontness and, 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 and that intimate close sound, like for a theatrical uh, thing, it's a psychoacoustic effect where if you imagine a sound stage where I'm close to you and the walls are far behind me, that means I'm close to you in a big room. You can simulate that by when I speak to you, imagine this, you're hearing the dry voice and then like a second later, you're, or half a second later, you're hearing the walls reflect back. That setting in a reverb is called pre-delay. That's a delay of time before that reverb starts to make sound. So if you've got a big hall, maybe you want a second and a half or two seconds of reverb time, not a lot of pre-delay, just as much tail because those, uh, you can play with that however you want it to sound. But if you add a pre-delay, a short pre-delay means that you're close to the wall. A long pre-delay means that it took more time for the sound of my voice, which you heard first. It takes time for it to bounce off the wall and come back. So that means that you're close with the person and the walls are far away. Uh, mm. that, that's psychoacoustic effect of soundstage placement. Uh, play with that. I think that one will keep you busy for a while. I'm a sucker for reverb. Yeah. Uh, Darren, I know you like reverb because when we would drive together for work and stuff, you would always be pointing out the reverb in your trance music yeah. tracks you would play. Yeah, man. I'm a sucker for trance yeah. or epic uh, movie scores. You know, yeah. Reverb just adds that extra dimensional feeling for me. I don't know. I like it. <laughs> I love that music too. And I learned a lot from it. And that's, probably what got me really tuned into understanding production techniques is because you'd always hear the sweeps and uh, the delays and the different reverbs and stuff. But be careful with your reverb, of course. Um, experiment. If you just put a reverb on it without any pre-delay, you're just washing it into the background sometimes. Um, put some pre-delay on it and you'll hear it separate so that your, your dialogue won't go into the background. 
Mm -hmm. It will stay dry right in front of you, but it will add ambience behind. And you can you can kind of uh, do different things to that reverb tail too, like adding some kind of uh, chorusing or reverb. And they just there's all kinds of mojo you can do that. Probably not necessary for for dialogue for video, more of a mm -hmm. musical thing. Mm -hmm. But you can sound dated real quick if you put on too much of the wrong reverb. Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Well, oh, I feel like my brain is full now, Drew. Yeah, like full to the brim. Of like we're we're recording this at eleven thirty p.m., but I'm like so awake right now. Like, oh, dude, I just want to bring up a reverb plugin right now and just play with it. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have to have Drew come back for a part two. Uh, talk about some more stuff. We'll uh gather more questions. Maybe Drew could show us a visual like a share screen of like a project, uh, like a mini project, like, hey, this is like basically do you do you have a YouTube channel? You should do YouTube tutorials. No, I am too busy to do YouTube tutorials. Too unfortunately. Busy. Well you know what? as well as your I love YouTube job. tutorials just like anybody else and I feel like giving back to the community and here we are and I, I think I've accomplished that. <laughs> there are way smarter guys out there that, that are teaching than me. So I, I'm just repeating everything's that all the things that I've learned myself. Hmm. Yeah. We see so far because we stand on the shoulders of giants. Hmm. Hmm. Poetic, philosophical. It's a great time to be in production. Mm. Yeah, exciting times. Technology. Yeah, and, and 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 don't worry about competition. You can meet people who you can start projects with, and and it's anywhere and everywhere. It's lots of businesses, it's lots of people, there's weddings, all kinds of things. Don't worry about competition. Mm. Uh, lift other people up. Compliment on the other people who are working. Uh, point out positives, not the faults when you take over a project that someone else has been working on. Uh, be a gentleman or a, oh no, I did it again. Ah, or a whatever lady, like, you know, be polite. Um, and, and, and don't talk negatively because you're really just drawing a shadow on over yourself. You know, um, mm -hmm. you guys not agree. Definitely would agree. Definitely agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, networking and um, meeting other professionals can actually help with bigger gigs. So definitely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you've got you need a second shooter and you've burned all your bridges, uh, <laughs> you're you don't have a big business going. <laughs> yeah. we'll fly in, fly you in on the chopper. Yeah. Comes down. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Hmm. Lots of relevant and practical advice. Thank you very much, uh, Drew. Always a pleasure talking with you. And we'll definitely uh, line up a part two uh, uh, this year for sure, because I want to know more about this stuff. And uh, if people want to know more about what you do and uh, to reach out to you and work with you, uh, where can they find you? Social media, LinkedIn? No, it would be better if they just got in touch with you guys, and then uh, we can talk about it from uh, from there. All right, you heard it here, folks. Reach out to Nane Doran, and uh, Drew is a busy, priceless. No, I'm just a talented. phone call away from you guys. You guys have my number. We're on the messenger, so yeah, we. we... Be... I promise I won't put it on the show notes here. So. <laughs> we keep Drew for yeah. the special projects. Sounds good. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for making time uh, to chat with us, uh, with us, and thank you for uh, sharing all your knowledge and experience. My pleasure. This has been uh, quite an indulgement. <laughs> couldn't have done it with. I couldn't have gotten this anywhere else. Thank you very much. Wonderful. All right. That's awesome. Well, that's a wrap for today's podcast. Thank you for watching and listening. And be, right. sure to sure, and be sure to subscribe to not miss an episode of the Nate and Doran podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. This has been Nate and Doran joined by Drew Stapleton. Thank you for watching and listening. <laughs>